Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Paul. And we're going to challenge you to transform your financial future through the principles of the most profitable business in the world, banking. We believe everyone should be involved in two businesses, the business that you're in and the banking business. Everyday people can replicate what bankers have been doing for centuries to leverage capital and build wealth through private lending. Join us as we uncover the truths about money, expose lies and myths, and flip conventional financial advice on its head. Here we go. Oh, nice hat, man. Looks like you're going hunting. Yep, this is the week. I'm going to see you on Wednesday. That's right, picking you up at the airport. I yeah. can't wait, man. It's always good to it's always good to hang out with the with the crew and like-minded folks and it's just a good time and and really we're done hunting by mid-morning, which is great. That gives yeah. us time to do whatever. You know, and it's the cool thing is we're going with some other IBC folks and you know, some of the best actually. And we get to spend yeah. all that time in the afternoon. Of course, we're going to talk shop because that's just what you do. Any profession you're in and yeah. you're around other people in the same profession, you're going to talk shop. So I'm really looking forward to that. It's kind of like, uh, you know, when I was flying in the Air Force, it was, you do a lot of learning while you're flying and while you're debriefing and all the the formal stuff. But then there's in the bar having some beers, you know, telling stories or drawing on a napkin where you really do some cool learning and yeah, that's uh, right. get a different perspective from people. So. Yeah, and it was it was really two years ago, no, this coming November, where we kind of committed to starting this podcast. Yeah, up in, in fact, up in, uh, up in South Dakota. Yeah, and James Nethery actually told us you can't start a podcast soon enough. Right. So, and he's one we're going hunting with, so that's pretty exciting. And for you listeners, that don't don't get any ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If uh, if you end up going over to James. He's going to kick you right back to us and say, <laughs> why are you calling me? Go work with Paul and Dave. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. But uh, yeah, man. So we're excited. Um, I just bought a couple of shotguns this morning. Yep. And I'd like to say that I heavily influenced that. You did. And, you know, my poor shooting uh, showing the last couple of years influenced it as well. I'm tired of uh, shooting with, with a shotgun that's not optimized for a uh, pheasant hunting no no it's not yeah it, i did get four with it though yeah yeah well <laughs> you are extraordinary yeah just lucky yeah yeah so that'll be fun man and anthony's not able to shoot yet no you gotta be 12 so okay. he'll so next year he'll be eligible and uh good so i'm looking forward to getting you know maybe i'll probably he's pretty small so i'll probably get him a 20 gauge to start and yeah. And then, uh, yeah, get it, get it going. Yeah. That'll be awesome. Next year I'll have to get two more shotguns. Cause I'll have, I'll be taking three boys with me. Yeah. And I'll probably get him a single shot just, just for safety. Right. Uh, yeah. you know, don't want him, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, pumping swinging it, it around, swinging around, trying to pump it, another shell into the, you know, yeah. Dick Cheney, you in the butt. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that might have come out wrong. But, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. goodness. Anyway, yeah. all right. So what are we talking about today? Man, let's talk about, um, you know, you, you and I always talk about this or we say little comments about this in episodes or when you and I are talking like, man, I wish we would have done this differently or I wish I would have done this, you know, years ago when I started. Um, so why don't we talk about if we had to start all over with this? 
as somebody just coming in, just discovering infinite banking, what would we do differently? Mm. I think that's a pretty good topic to hit on. Yeah, no, I, there's, there's a lot to discuss. I would, I would say, uh, I think first and foremost is, you know, going back in time in a time machine and saying, Hey, grandpa, Hey, buy this. Right. Yep. Or Put all grandpa. of your savings there for your lifetime. And this yeah. is how you use it. Yeah. Read a copy of this book that hasn't. Come well, out that book yet. didn't exist then, but in 1980, you could have said, Hey, go find out, go find this Nelson Nash guy and ask him about whole life insurance. Cause Nelson was, was designing policies like this at that time. I yeah. just discovered it. Yeah. And I've heard anecdotally, well, maybe it's more than anecdotally, uh, through some of our friends that, you know, Nelson was paying around that time, around the early 80s, $18,000 a year of whole life insurance premium. That's and a I lot think this predated PUA riders, right? So it's all base. There's no there's no PUA. Well, there's dividends, right? That's going to purchase additional insurance and stuff, but there's no PUA rider. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, what is that now? $65,000 a year, 70? Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's great. I mean, he, he definitely walked the walked the talk. Yeah, I mean that's significant premium. So speaking of significant premium, um, I think that's the first thing I would I would do differently is pay significant premium. I think when I started, I paid about ten thousand dollars in premium over three policies, and I was making at that time maybe eighty to ninety thousand, so roughly ten, eleven, twelve percent. Which isn't bad, um, but I could have done more. Yeah, well, you were you know single income and you know yeah. three kids, and it. Uh, I think that's I think that's significant premium for where you were at. I would say. Yeah, I only had two kids at that time. Um, the third one I got as soon as he was born. I got a policy on him, but I got a policy. One thing I did correctly was I, I insured every insurable interest I had at the time. Yeah. Um. You know. The, my wife and two kids because I only had two kids and I couldn't get a policy on myself. So, right. um, because I was, you know, flying Deploying and flying and yeah. Yeah. So they wouldn't, you know, they're very, you know, if you're active duty flying a, like a, a fighter or a tack type aircraft or a or, bomber or a bomber, you're going to get substandard rating most likely, yeah. but that doesn't mean it can't work out. And it's only temporary until you stop flying that. That's right. Uh, I have a client that. that's in that situation now. He's an instructor pilot for UH-60s, Blackhawks. And, and uh, we have a client who flies B-52s. And I just have, I have another client right now who's going through underwriting. He's a B-52 pilot. And I think, you know, they're, they're saying, hey, he's trending at this. So there's going to be a, you know, an extra premium for that, but it can still work if somebody's committed, they want to, knowing that once you're done flying that aircraft, you can take that off. That's right. Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so there's some things I did right, but yeah, from the get-go, more premium, I think, would have, uh, like like James says, premium is a solution. Yep, so. I, I agree with that. For me, I would say it was product early on, because I've owned Whole Life since 2003. And yeah. for that type, for those types of policies non-participating, I was paying adequate or significant premium, I would say, as a household, and Tammy was doing the exact same thing I was. And then once we had children, they had policies, you know, when they were 30 days old. Um, so just the wrong 
wrong product and I didn't know the process of IBC anyway, so it, it did it really matter? No. Did right. I take any policy loans against those policies? I own 10 of them. No. Did you even know no. you could? I did know you could, but I just never did. Yeah. I, I'd i venture to bet uh, almost nobody does. Anybody who has just run-of-the-mill whole life insurance has probably never even considered taking a policy loan. Yes. And most people don't even know with a paper copy of the contract that they got 15, 20 years ago. They don't even know where it is. Yeah. And they probably don't have an online portal that they're checking the cash value and and all that. So yeah, right. You didn't know what you didn't know. You were yeah. you were doing you were kind of on the right track. Yeah. Uh you were you're heading the right direction, just on the wrong set of rails, I think. I was on the yeah, I was on the wrong train. It's going the wrong, <laughs> it's going the wrong way. <laughs> That John Denver, it's full of crap, man. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. What else would you have done differently? Uh, where are we? Started sooner? Yeah. I mean, I think absolutely that's what that's. Ge everybody yeah. says that, right? Generation, you know, generationally speaking, I would have, again, loved to have jumped in a time machine, gone back and grabbed my grandfather's and said, hey. I took this book back from the year 2023. <laughs> it was written in the year 2000. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> You'll be dead by then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. However. <laughs> but even even if I could just get, go back to my own dad in the 90s and, and say what when he was selling right. life insurance, he had a life insurance business. Right. And he was selling it. Um, said, hey, have you ever thought about this? Check this out. Um, if that was the case, he'd probably still be selling life insurance. But, it, you know, through the infinite banking concept, not just, you know, ripping policies left and right for death benefit, but, you know, through IBC, why wouldn't he be continuing to do that? I'm sure he would be. But yeah. it's, you know, the other, because it's a viable long-term solution to your life and the problem, but it's also a long-term um, business, really. I don't ever plan to not be involved in this. Well, it's too enjoyable for us, I think. Yeah. As well. I, I really enjoy the teaching people IBC. I don't know if I would enjoy it just, you know, you really enjoy it when someone's, when your client's really into it as well. Yeah. And there's, right. there's the whole, you know, on the spectrum there, there's some that are just like, yeah, I get it. Let's go. But there's some that really nerd out. And really get into the weeds, and I I really appreciate that. So if you're listening and that's you, just know that we really appreciate that for sure. It's it's good. Yeah, that's what makes it worth doing sometimes. So you're right. I I don't even know what it's like. Neither of us even have any idea what it's like to just sell life insurance without like being needs in needs based. You it know. Would, it, I feel like it would probably feel more like being a dentist where. <laughs> people aren't really excited to see you or talk to you. You're just something they need to do to stay, to, to cover their bases. Right. It's like a, a right. necessary evil, if you will, insurance. Nobody wants um, to talk about it. And then they don't this want to is... talk to you again after it. They just want to pay their premium and never talk to you again. Yeah. One and done. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah, we love the the relationship aspect and the the follow-up, the questions and, and just people still continuing to learn. One thing I would have done speaking to started sooner is I would have told you about it right away in 2013 when we met. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could have, you obviously could tell 
how I thought about things. At least we had, we had, we have similar views of the world, if not identical. So yeah. we, I probably we like, in, I totally get it. We talked Cause five years later. Lot. Yeah. Cause right? five years later, when you sent me the case for IBC, I was, I mean, I, before I even finished that book, which is 130 pages or whatever, I was, I was ready to go. And I was telling Tammy exactly what we were going to do. And she's like, are you sure? Yeah. And you're just waiting on me to get my life insurance license and yeah, get man. appointed and, and all that to get going. I was like, Hey, okay, just be patient. I'm, I'm almost there. And that's, you know, going back though, folks, you know, that was, I didn't have to see the numbers, show me an illustration. I didn't even know what an illustration was quite honestly. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, that book helped me identify. I mean, I already knew the problem, but I didn't really know the problem. Yeah. It really helped me see the forest through the trees of, all right, here's the problem. Enter solution. So I'm really, yeah. really thankful for, for Dave's introducing me to that. Uh, just, yeah. I mean, five years earlier would have been. Right. Because you'd be, you know, 11 years in by now. Yeah. How cool would that be? Yeah. Yeah. It's still pretty cool. Still very cool. Yeah. What about sharing it with more friends and family from the from the start? I remember you know, I would talk to people here and there about it. Um, and you know, have conversations with people who showed any interest in learning something new, or I thought they were pretty creative with their money or smart with it, and be like, hey, check this book out. Here's what I do. It just I never was able to explain it in a way that resonated with any anybody. I think that's pretty common. Yeah, it's not. It's not. There's not an easy entry point for because everyone's 401k IRA based investment based mindset. They're not thinking about accumulating a large amount of financial value somewhere like a savings account, right? Because cash is trash. That's what they've been told, right? Yeah. And of course, what we're seeing now is what are we seeing? A tightening of, you know, a tightening of the markets and lending and light and lending requirements are going to start tightening up here severely, right? You know, in the business cycle. Yeah. And everyone's going to discover, man, that 401k doesn't help me at all, does it? No, it sure doesn't. Yeah. Liquidity would help you though, but cash is trash, so sorry. Yeah, right. Only idiots, you know, have cash available. Oh my goodness! I whatever happened to cash is king? Like I, it literally, yeah. it's, it still is. When you have, what? How did I put it to somebody the other day? Um, really, it's about the problem. When you have enough cash, there is no problem. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, that's from a, a book I read by Dan Sullivan. I remember him saying something like, if you have the money to fix a problem, that's what you, it was. You don't have that's, a problem. I was just listening. Yeah. It's in it's in uh it's in like, Who Not How. Who Not How. And I was okay. like, ooh, how can I equate that? So I immediately texted somebody. I was like, hey, when you have enough life insurance cash value, you don't have a problem. <laughs> yeah. If your problem can be solved by money and you have the money, you don't have a problem you unless a you problem. choose to. Right. Yeah. That's right. And yeah. uh, I was like, man, that's, I like that. And, uh, and especially, especially now when, when we find ourselves doing different things with money, 
And we talked about in a, in a previous episode fairly recently about having policy loans repaid and having no more policy loans to pay off and how good that feels. Yeah. Like, that I can get to this large amount of financial value at the snap of my finger. Yo, life insurance company, send me. Actually, I'm not talking to anybody, folks. I'm just logging into my phone and just one of my policies and say, send me a, well, direct deposit this money somewhere. Yeah. And um, man, that makes you feel great. What a what a way to exist. Yep. And to think that still I was doing it wrong longer than I've been doing it right. Uh, it'll take me another, whatever, eight, eight years to have a, to break even. Really. Yeah. But the learning curve is steep. The right way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're, yeah, you're gaining ground quickly. So, um, so it, I was just reminded of an episode we did episode 24. So like I said, sometimes when you're new at this or you just started, it's, you may understand it okay, but it's really hard to explain it to somebody else. Episode 24, we describe how to explain this to your friends and family. And so, you know, the title is All My Friends Think I'm Crazy for Putting My Money into Whole Life Insurance. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of how to how to explain that to people. And uh, and then we have another one on, I'll look for it. How on, to convince uh, your spouse or something. Yep, exactly. How to how to get your spouse on board. So yeah. episode 36, how can I get my spouse on board with IBC? Yeah. Yeah. So listen to those if you haven't, if uh if you want to be able to talk to this to other people about this or uh or get your your wife or husband on board. Yep. And remember, it's all about having the right point of view. If you're coming at this from the wrong angle of attack, they're never going to see it. They're right. not going to understand why so define the problem get the get the problem understood and then worry about the solution yep and and what i found oftentimes is if if you talk to people and they bring up a negative attitude about the banks or the financial hmm. system in general or uh the government government control and and all this stuff sure. they're very susceptible or they're very open to yes. listening to a new idea so right Give them a new idea and let them dive in, go down the rabbit hole and see what they find. You don't have to convince anybody. You just have to present it. And please tell them to not click on 1090 videos. <laughs> yeah, right. That's going to take so a lot of, it's going to take unteach. We're going to have to un unlearn them. It's going to be a lot of work for us. So, and I know there's people listening that, think that's the only way or the best way to design a policy. I'm sorry, but you're wrong. Yeah. And I'm not going to get in it because that's not the topic of this podcast, but maybe we'll unpack, maybe we'll unpack it in a future episode, but you're wrong. Well, we've already but unpacked it on previous episodes. We have. The case for base and. But do appreciate them listening and not, you know, but that's. If, right. If they, if they talk to a, an actuary or somebody that designs these things from the, in the background, that person would be able to explain to them at a high level, hopefully breaking it down to like a fifth grade level for us, but of why you may not want to do that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, sorry. Yep. So I get triggered about that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You and me both, but Hey, to, to each his own. And, uh, you know, people will, I think this fad will start to dissolve, you know, within a, a fad. within about right. a decade. Yeah, when all these when <laughs> all these 
oh, these people can't pay any more premium. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, wait, 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 what? I got to start a whole new policy now. And oh, I'm 10 years older and uh, I got to start one from scratch. And maybe, hopefully, I'm still insurable. Um, but I just let myself go or I just had a, you know, a health issue. And now I was going to pay 50000 a year. Now I'm only allowed to pay five, five. 10000 a year. Yeah. So yeah. sounds awful. Yeah. Thing is, Think yeah. long range. It's, don't be afraid to capitalize. Yeah. It's kind of like IUL or universal life when it first came out. Like it was hard to convince people otherwise until the market shifted and things changed and you see these those policies falling apart and they're not at all what they used to be. And uh they're they're terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So oh my goodness. Folks, uh you cannot properly practice the infinite banking concept with universal life. I'll just say that. Yep. There's another episode we have. You can try. In there also about uh why universal life is not appropriate for the infinite banking concept, episode number 29. Um God, 29. And, wow. Yeah. And you know, not the least uh reason being that Nelson explicitly says so. More than once. Yeah. So but you know, do your own research. Yep. Um, he talked about it in becoming your own banker and building your warehouse of wealth. Right. Both great books. If you haven't read them, read them. And if you are looking for some good universal life material, Todd Langford of Truth Concepts has some good just videos out there uh, about universal life, and he unpacks it very well. So. Yep. No, sure I just does. said unpack. Oh man. Oh, oh, whatever. Yeah. Well, some we, people don't like that. <laughs> we've got a couple uh buddies in our little IBC mastermind group going to uh, Todd Langford and listening, getting smart on the numbers yeah, behind the numbers I, and all that. I'm looking forward to once, what, you know, upon retirement where I can actually travel for these types of things because they sound fun and interesting and just, I can never go. Yeah. Yep. You need to retire. Can't wait. Yes. All right. Well, here's something I would have done sooner is actually utilize my my policy. And I I say that with the caveat that you don't have to use the policy like right away. You can let it capitalize. Like I let it I capitalized it for six years before I ever yeah. used it, which is completely fine. So it's not like I made a mistake doing that. But the mistake I did make was I was still saving up cash and paying cash for things. Instead of putting that cash into premium and taking cash value loans to pay for things, that's what I should have been do doing, um, and and really utilizing what I had. And you know, for the like I said, it took me six years before I took my first loan and actually used it for something instead of paying cash out of pocket. So I my education journey, you know, I read the book, got my answers, questions answered, started my policies, but then didn't get back in the books again. Really took a long break before I really got back into it. Yeah, uh, so. you were like kind of the set it and forget it. Yeah, and there weren't you know podcasts like about you know, even IBC podcasts are ubiquitous. Like you can get on and find you know fifty different podcasts on this topic um, from fifty different points of view. I mean, yeah. I don't know exactly if it's actually fifty. Uh, there's at least a dozen easily. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's fifty, but yeah, but. I didn't have that option available. So I didn't really have any mentors, if you will. Sure. No, that's fair. But I will say that 
you know, capitalizing is doing something. Absolutely. I can't I wasn't on that losing enough. anything. I was No. Not at all. Yeah. I was just I wasn't quite there because I was still saving cash on somebody else's bank and paying cash for cars and and for big ticket items, that kind of stuff, which now uh, <laughs> like no. Like I got to pay the I just got my invoice for the gutters that got put on last week. And I'm like sitting on cash on a bank. All my policies are full. Like I want to put some policies in force and fund those before I take a loan to pay cash. I'm probably just going to have to pay cash out of the bank because I, I didn't think forward. I didn't think ahead far enough. And I got myself into this position of having too much cash on hand in somebody else's bank with nowhere else I can put it. That's a problem now. Why didn't your house come with gutters? That's a good question, man. I'm is like, that not common up there? The gutters. You know what's or? not common in Minnesota is to not have a deck included with your house. Your not ha- your not sliding ha- door being on the second story. Yeah, and no deck. They sell you houses deck? with no decks. No, I oh, have. Oh, you deck. have a deck. I okay. have a deck. Yeah, but that's, well, maybe it was deck or gutters. You know, like yeah. No, it's it's just spec homes are built without decks, and people go. You know, people buy a house and they're like, oh, yeah, I'll put a deck on. And then they see it's going to cost them 20 grand cash. Oh, yeah. To do that. And they don't have access to capital. So they just board up that sliding door and they do their grilling in their garage or their driveway. And they never have a deck on their, you know, in the backyard to sit out and enjoy the weather. That sounds, that sounds un American. Very un American. But, you know, that's also why I see a lot in Minnesota people doing their fire pits in their driveway instead of in their backyard. That was a whole nother Minnesota thing that, huh. uh, that I discovered. But I think it's kind of friendly because then the neighbors might walk by and come join you. Uh, but yeah. it could be because a lot of them don't have decks. And <laughs> so they don't so, ever go to the backyard. <laughs> that's so crazy. I know. Weird, huh? Huh. Well, Anyway, I don't know how we got off topic. But... Um, yeah, when did you start using your policies like for for loans that you would otherwise have paid cash or finance for? Well, almost immediately, just because when I I had all that cash value from my old policies that I moved over, so oh, I was able yeah. to jumpstart the cash value availability, if you will, of my set of policies, right? So I yeah. had the one on me, the one on Tammy, and the one on each kid. So I had cash value that I could use to do things with. Yeah. Uh, I generally do not finance things with policy loans. I finance my investments with policy loans. Uh, Although I was thinking today that it might be fun. And this is probably, I don't know, Dave, six months, a year down the road, once things stabilize and I build our forever house or whatever. And, uh, I'm going to maybe it might be cool to follow and kind of share. Okay, I'm taking a policy loan. I'm going to do this with it, and I'm going to pay off the Hellcat. Right, the Hellcat's cool. financed because I need the cash to do something else. Right, yeah. there's more, there's better places for me to, to put that money. So, right. but it might be fun to say, you know what, I'm going to practice strict IBC and and kind of kind of document some of that journey through the podcast as we as we move forward. Like, here's what I'm doing. I paid off this loan, the money that was going to that bank. Now I've created a new policy to capture that car payment. That's kind of the idea that I had in my in my mind. I like it. Yeah, that's a great idea. Because 
you bring up a point that just because you have the policies and the cash value doesn't mean you have to do what the book says and and take a policy loan to go buy your car. Like you could finance that car and keep your capital, keep your powder dry for an opportunity if that's your thing. Right. So, and you know, it just so happens that's kind of your thing and my thing uh, yep. to keep our powder dry for opportunities versus using it to, you know, for car payment, you know, to buy a car with cash or whatever. That's right. And that may change as I get older. If I yeah. were maybe 75 years old, maybe my my mindset on this particular topic would be different. Uh, but right now, it's I'm a powder powder dry guy and that's yeah. the way it's going to be. Well, the fact is you have options. That's what it gives you. That's right. Well, the banker can do whatever he wants. Banker can do what he wants. Yeah, I've had some clients repeat that to me. They're like, I know the answer to this question is the banker can do whatever he wants, but I'm trying to get your perspective and I'll, I'll, I'm happy to give you my perspective. But yeah, you're right. The banker can do whatever he wants. That's right. Yeah. I love it. Cool. Um, what else? What else would you do differently? Well, this is still... I've always been an avid reader, so I don't know if I can add to that. I've I've read a lot, but I don't think you can read enough, folks. And I know that's kind of a dying thing, but I know our our, our little group that we have, our little mastermind. Yeah, you know James and Ryan and all these people that are involved in our you know the IBC community as practitioners. They are all avid readers. They are all students of history. Yeah, and, you have to be. Uh, I do. I don't think you can you can be effective at this profession and uh and do good for your clients as good as you could if you don't if you're not an avid reader. Correct. Yeah. So yeah, I would do the same. I would read more books uh on this topic. I mean, when I got my policy, I was in the Air Force, I was flying, so I was, you know, I had two young kids at home. So I didn't really make the time to read a book. Right. I didn't have that time. I would listen to a book on CD going back sure. and forth to work every day. And that's about it. But yeah, um, I would read Becoming Your Own Banker once a quarter for the first three years. That's what I would do. And and then I would read another one of Nelson's books until I, I read all of Nelson's books. And then I'd start going through that reading list at the back of Becoming Your Own Banker. Yeah, it's you, a good list. You got plenty of material there to keep you busy for years. Yeah. Yep. The creature from Jekyll Island is right there. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> yeah. That's conspiracy. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. Just like everything else has been a conspiracy, right? The difference between oh conspiracy goodness. theory and, and the truth is about six months, probably getting shorter yeah, these days. Pretty crazy times right now. Yeah. It's uh, mind, mind, mind numbingly. Well, it's, it's, it's worth, it's, Something to be worried about, I would say. Yeah. I'd say. Yeah. But luckily, the difference between most, the, 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 the typical American consumer versus people who practice infinite banking is people who practice IBC are free thinkers. Yes. If you're, if you're practicing IBC, congratulations, you're not a sheep who just goes along with what everybody else does. Like you're a free yep. thinker. You've broken the mold. If you're listening to this and you don't practice, I'd say you're probably a free thinker because you're giving it a chance. So, and, and that's where you got to start, you know, nonconformist, you know. That's me. <laughs> yeah. I, it took me a long time 
to break away from conformity. My entire life was conforming. Right. And that's, that's how Especially it is. Especially in the military. I, I was a conformist as a child. I was a conformist as a college student. Yep. And as a, but every year I get older, I am less, I just, yeah. you're I less willing to accept do it. You're less yeah. willing to accept the, the parting, the party line or the conventional wisdom of the day. Yep. You, you've seen too and much. You know too much. The curse of knowledge. I know. He knows too much. <laughs> yeah. He knows too much. We must do something about him. He's dangerous now. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And uh, what's our, what's our last thing, which is always on our mind, I would say. Yep. Which I've been talking about for a couple episodes now is mm -hmm. I would have started more policy sooner. Right. Because right now I put myself in the corner where I've got some bills that need to be paid and I'm going to have to use cash and from somebody else's bank to pay those bills before I run that money through a policy. I'm pretty disappointed with myself. Um, but I got all four applications for the kids in. Um, hopefully those juvenile ones get approved pretty quickly here and I can fund them. And then, you know, maybe I can put off paying that gutter bill for a couple of weeks. If I just ask that guy, Hey, give me a couple of weeks. Yeah. See, I got it, buddy. Yeah. Really? I'm good for it. I'm good for it, pal. He's probably on a lot of credit. So. Oh yeah. So he doesn't have that bill coming due for a while. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm good for it. Ask my buddy, Polly. That's right. Lone shark. Yeah. Yeah. So when are you, when are you going to have uh, your next policy? You know, it's a good point. Um, once this, this thing that we're involved with starts to kind of generate some. What some, we expect it to. What we expect it to. Yeah. Uh, I've got some policy loans I got to pay off, but I, what I'm thinking of doing folks is opening up a, a, uh, another convertible term policy. I actually don't have one on myself. I have one on, on the wife still. Uh, cause I, I, I need it. And, mm -hmm. uh, I think I might do that as kind of a, just a placeholder. And then, you know, that'll give me some breathing room. And then, uh, and then I'll go into underwriting for a whole life policy once, once things kind of stabilize. Cause I've, I'm trying to protect so anyone who follows the podcast knows that I'm going to be building a house starting this November. Uh, you know, the, the home, you know, the market is just, it's been destroyed the last few years because yeah. of low interest rates, basically, right? Flooding, you know, I think I was watching this video. You, you don't have to go too far in the past to see where the national debt was 10 trillion. Not very <laughs> far at all. Rippled in like four years or something. <laughs> yeah. Where do you think it's going to, yeah, you think it's going to go down? It, it'll never go down. Oh my God. Well, never. we owe it to ourselves. Like, you know, whatever. It's these, these people. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to protect that pool of capital that's dedicated for the down payment for that, for that house, yeah, for that good. build, right? And I don't want to touch that. I'm not going to ladder policies. Some people are doing that. Yeah, that's great. You can do that. I'm not going to do that. Um, so anyway, um, so, it, but I'm close, but I'm, I'm close to, you know, pulling a trigger, just not quite yet. Yeah. All right. I think I'm going to follow your lead, do a, con a big convertible term policy as well, because once it's in place, it's good. You know, I'll probably do it for 20 years and then uh, I'll just start picking it off. Anytime I need to funnel more capital somewhere, uh, I'll just start moving some of that over to a whole life policy and get it going. Yeah, I like doing that. And because uh, it's quick. Um, yeah. 
Or, you, you know, if you do it quick enough, you just go, you know, if you've just been through underwriting within six months, they'll generally, sure. you know, honor that. So, yeah, um, yeah. it'd be a quick process. So, yeah, that's a good point. So you don't, you don't think you'll have to go back through the yeah. entire process again if it's you know been six months. Even inside a year, the medical exam, I think, is typically acceptable. Yeah. And I would probably only convert if I needed to medically or if they said, hey, with all of the death benefit you have in yeah. place, you're kind of exceeding your human life value. You're going to have exactly. to chip away at some of that convertible term. Like, okay, I'll accept right. I'll accept that. Yep. We probably just generated a bunch of questions with that statement, but yeah. So we'll leave that for another episode. If you got questions from that, (laughs) send them in or uh, go back and listen to our episode on convertible term insurance, which uh, you'll be able to find that scrolling through. Mm -hmm. Um, But all right, well, we better go. My house is about to get loud here. About to get loud. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, And especially the, the, the person that thinks the 1090 is good. I really do appreciate uh, that you listened and, and had nice things to say, actually. Uh, if that's our one disagreement, it's all good. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're disagreeing on theology here. Yeah. So, all right, cool. Well, Hey everybody until next time, control your capital or somebody else will. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to have a conversation with us to see how you can become your own banker, or if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to tackle on a future episode, please send us an email to David and Paul at the And subscribe and leave us a review if you're on Apple. Follow and leave us a five-star review if you're on Spotify. And please share this with your friends. We'll see you next week.